want to start off this morning by asking, um, by asking this question. If you had a chance to sit down with Jesus and have a Q&A session with him, if you could just ask him some questions and, um, and uh, you had your chance to have some of your, your, your deepest, darkest questions answered, what would, uh, what would the questions, what would you ask him? What, what would you ask I looked up some of the things that, you know, kids would ask Jesus, and, uh, you know, it's just, it's just humorous. You know, some of the kids are like, you know, why did you create mosquitoes? You know, my kids are like, say, Dad, why did God create ticks? I'm like, I don't know, ask him, right? And uh, I don't know. They're just disgusting, you know? And I, there was uh, one kid was like, you know, Jesus, did you really never cry as a baby? You know, like the song, No Crying He Makes. Uh, one kid was said, you know, I'm going to ask Jesus if Santa's his richer, older brother. And I was like, you know, kids will ask anything. But Adults, too, we have some of these things. And maybe you'd have, you'd have like some of those, those big, big questions to ask as we read through the New Testament. You see people came to Jesus all the time with questions. Uh, you know, was, uh, the Pharisees were asking them, hey, you know, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? They wanted to know, you know, that was their big question. Some other Pharisees were like, our question is, who do you think you are? You think you're the son of God? Like, Really? Uh, that was what they wanted to know. Um, there's a young, a young rich man who came to Jesus, and he basically said, hey, what do I got to do to earn eternal life? Like, I, I mean, I, I'm rich. You tell me what I need to do. How much do I need to give and, and, and to get me in? And uh, then the disciples themselves asked questions like, you know, Jesus, you know, well, there's 12 of us, but which one of us is most important in, in this new kingdom? And in all of those things, Jesus answers for them. They were always head scratchers. They were always, they were always opposite of what they, the person thought the answer was going to be. It's like we have, we have these questions for God, and it's almost like we already have our own answer for them. And, and this morning, you know, the, the, the hope that I would have for, for each of us, including myself, is that, you know, some of these questions that we, that we're, one that we're going to look at this morning is that we wouldn't just put our own answer in too quickly. Yeah, um, Jesus answered the last question when they said, hey, who's the most important? We find the answer to that question in Matthew 18. Matthew was an eyewitness uh, of, of Jesus' life. He was there when this conversation happened, and he wrote about it. I'm grateful for it. You can find it in Matthew 18, verse 21. So if you have your Bible, just grab that and go to Matthew 18. Jesus begins talking and answers their question by saying, you know, hey, the, the greatest is actually the one who's the servant. That, that's who's great uh, in my kingdom. And then he says, you know what? And while we're on the topic of greatness, let me point out who's really great. Take a look at the kids in the room. You know, maybe for him, he's like on a hillside. Hey, take a look at the kids on a hillside. But for you this morning, maybe at home, take a look at the kids in the room. Not really. Take a look at them. Those kids. He, Jesus so often said, hey, would you be more like them? Like, they're, they're what's important. And everybody's looking at that point saying, kids are not that important. We don't even know if they're going to live long. And he's like, they're the ones you should be modeling, your, modeling the way you react, uh, relate with God. Then he began to talk about how the relationships in our life are so, so important. And when they're at odds, he says, when somebody sins against you, he's like, here's, like, go to them and make it right. Figure out a way, do whatever you can to make things right with them. And, and those, the value of these relationships, he began to talk about, uh, about this. And then Peter jumps in, and Peter kind of does what many of us do. Like, he, 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 what we're thinking is what he says. He's the brave one. And so it says in verse 18, you know, I, I picture Peter just like, sorry, Jesus, uh, I don't mean to interrupt your really long answer to that one little short question of who's the greatest, but could you clarify something for me? Can you clarify this whole thing about, you know, making it right with somebody who sins against you? you know, I, that's good for everybody, but I really need to know what it means for me. Like, what does it mean for me personally? And here's what he says in verse 21. Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often do I need to forgive someone who sinned against me? 
And he puts his own answer in seven times. See, Peter was a good little Jewish boy. He would have known, you know, that, that in the Old Testament, in Amos, it talks often about how God would forgive three times, but not four, you know, for different, <laughs> different nations and things. And maybe he was thinking about that. He's like, you know, three times two is seven. So I'm going to be like... He was homeschooled. No, you know, he's like, three times two is like, is, is seven, man. Seven is like way more than God would expect. I'm, not, I'm going for that. But I'm really glad Peter asked the question, you know, because I wonder, you know, do you ever struggle with that, that, that topic of forgiveness? Do you ever struggle with, you know, the, the, what's around that word? Because it's a difficult word, isn't it? You know, it's like, it's emotional. It's got circumstances around it. We've, we've all, I'm sure, been in a place where we've been required to give a response to something that's negatively affected us. And for most of us, you know, we say, hey, what's the definition of forgiveness or unforgiveness? We don't really have like, okay, well, here's what the dictionary says. And here is what the dictionary says. It says that forgiveness is the action or the process of forgiving someone. About, it's canceling a debt. Maybe, you know, for you, the, the definition of forgive is to, to stop feeling angry or resentful towards someone for an offense that they've committed against you. But most of us, we don't think about the, def- the definition. We think of a face. We think of a story. We think of a situation that happened. You know, an ex-spouse or a, a, a teacher or a parent or some words that were said. Those things, are just, they're just there. And it's complicated. Really, it truly is a complicated thing. There's tons of quotes you can find online about forgiveness. And you can read them, but it doesn't really make it any easier to actually forgive. You know, we talk about forgiveness quite often, at least once a year here, and it's one of those messages that gets mixed results. It's like, some people are like, yeah, man, I so needed that. And others are like, I hate it when he talks about that. You know, because it digs up that stuff that God wants to deal with in our lives. And people ask the questions, you know, is it, is it a feeling? Is it internal? Or is it an action, external? Or is it both? Do I have to actually do something? Or do, and, and, or do, I, do I have to feel it? Or can I just do it and not like it? You know, does it mean that I got to treat people the same as before, as if nothing happened? Does it mean that what they did was okay? Does it, does it mean that I have to forget what they did to me and let it happen again? Does it mean that they shouldn't be punished for what they did? And, and maybe this morning, you know, you wrestle with that. Maybe watching online, you wrestle with that sometimes. You have a hard time forgiving others. And, and I wonder today sometimes, if it goes a little deeper than that, if sometimes we have a hard time forgiving ourselves. And I want to take a look at that this morning because Peter asked that question. And uh, the, the guys last night were saying, are we still doing this like series on the box thing? You know, can we change the background soon? You know, uh, are we doing this series? I'm like, yeah, we're still doing the series because I just haven't been creative enough to come up with another, an- another uh, uh, title. But the, the thing with the box for me was this. This was something I thought about a long time ago. How big is your forgiveness box? Like who's, who's in the forgiveness box? And maybe for you, you're like, yeah, you know what? I can forgive that person, I can forgive this person, but that neighbor kid, not a chance. You know, I got some forgiveness, I got enough forgiveness for like my family, but oh, well, not that family member. I mean, they have just so, so wronged. There's, there's just not enough forgiveness in here. Uh, there's some words I can forgive, but there's some things, man, that person said to me, I'm not, I'm not going to let that one go. And maybe it's not things that people did. Maybe it was things that people didn't do. Yeah, <laughs> I... I can't forgive my parents for not being there for me as a child. I can't forgive my boss for not giving me what I deserved. I can't forgive my teacher for, for being unfair, whatever it, may, whatever it may have been. But my question is, how big is your forgiveness box? Because I think sometimes we need a bigger box. I think about Peter. Peter would probably, if Jesus asked him, Peter's response would have been, hey, Jesus, my box is 
seven. You know, I got like seven. I'll forgive that one guy. I mean, Jesus, I'm not going to bring it up who it is because you probably know, but that guy, you know, this is an ongoing thing, but I've forgiven him seven times. I think that's pretty good. And uh, Jesus is like, you know, Peter, Peter, let me, let me answer your question. But he doesn't answer it with just like this pat answer. It's not just a simple answer. It sounds like it is at first, because if you know the story, here's how it goes. The next verse, Jesus answers him saying, Peter, not seven times, but 70 times seven. And maybe, you know, it's Peter's like, wow, oh, 70 times seven, what's that? Like, you know, and, and Jesus may have just said to him simply, hey, Peter, you know what? Just forgive because it's easier than doing math. You think forgiveness is hard? It's easier than trying to figure it all out. And yet, and yet his, his simple answer of like, okay, you got to add it up, wasn't that simple at all. And, and, and I think it's, it's because forgiveness isn't just this one-time simple thing. I think for most of us, we find that it's a journey. It's a process. And in the life of Peter, thanks to Matthew and those who wrote this, the accounts down for us, we see that it was a process and a journey for, for him as well. And, and just want to look at a couple of those thoughts this morning because I think it intersects with our life as well. Peter, three things. He learned forgiveness, he experienced forgiveness, and he shared forgiveness. He, he learned it, he experienced it, and, and basically he lived it. And I hope this morning that we can see those three steps and find out where am I on those steps of, in, in the forgiveness journey? Am I, am I learning about it today? Have I experienced it? And uh, am I really living it? Am I really living what forgiveness looks like? So let's take a quick look at it this morning. Learned it. You know, learned it is this moment in Peter's life. You know, here's Peter where he asked the question. He's like, Jesus, I really want to know. Like, what am I supposed to do with forgiveness? And I can just picture, you know, Jesus saying, Peter, hey, sit down for a minute. You know, you, you think like seven times is pretty good. He's like, yeah, that's a whole week's worth. He's like, okay, I know you think that's a pretty good thing, but you're, you're actually asking the wrong question. And Jesus makes Peter aware, not of his amount of forgiveness. He makes Peter aware of the fact that he still holds unforgiveness in his heart. He's like, Peter, you're keeping track of the wrong things. You're asking the wrong question. And maybe we do the same thing, or you know someone who does the same thing. You know, you're like, yeah, I'm listening for a friend today. Because you've got, or they have the opposite box. It's the unforgiveness box. It's the thing that they... Jesus is like, hey, Peter, you think you're forgiveness? Let's take a look at your unforgiveness box. You got, a, you got all kinds of things still in there. And maybe we have that. You know, these are, the things that I, these are the things that I'm still holding on to. This week, I woke up in the middle of the night wondering. I, I wake up with weird thoughts on my mind sometimes. This week, I woke up and I wondered, when do I have to pump out my septic tank? I know, it's a weird thought. And if you know, please text me, let me know. But um, as I thought about that and this, I think sometimes that's what unforgiveness looks like. We just keep letting the crap go in there, and until we actually do something with it, it has a potential. If you've ever experienced a septic tank overflowing, it is a nasty mess. Have you ever met somebody that didn't deal with unforgiveness, and they got to that point? I mean, I've hung out with some people recently, and all they do is they're just bitter. They're just, all they talk about is how upset they are at so-and-so for doing whatever they did to them. Some people are still upset at people who've been dead for 10 years, and they're seething about, oh, that person's never going to be able to fix it or make it better. And yet they can't get it out of their unforgiveness box. And here's, here's I think, what Jesus is saying to Peter. Peter, let me, let, let's talk about your septic tank here, Peter. Let's talk about this unforgiveness box that, that you may not be unaware of. And, and here's what he says. And Jesus exaggerates the amounts in this story to make a point. But here's the story, Matthew 18, 23. Even if you've heard the story before, don't miss the moment that it may be for you this morning. It says, verse 23, therefore the kingdom of heaven... It says, can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. 
He goes on to say in the process, one of his debtors was brought to him, owed him millions of dollars. And he says millions of dollars, that's what we've translated it. Uh, it says 10,000 talents. One talent of silver back in that day was worth about 15 years of labor. Some of you haven't done 15 years of work, but just picture how much money could I make in 15 years? I owe that times 10,000. He's like, this is an impossible debt. And this man comes in and he's like, he couldn't pay, obviously. And so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. He picks Jesus telling Peter this? Hey, Peter, this guy, and Peter's like, oh man, that guy is just like, he's in over his head. And he says, yeah, and it gets worse. He says, but the man, he knows he can't pay the debt. And so he falls down and it says he begs for mercy. Please be patient with me. I'll pay it all, he says. <laughs> you, ever, you ever made those false promises? You know, you screwed up so bad and you're like, I'll make it right. Uh, I'll do whatever it takes to make it right. And it's like, man, <laughs> he realizes you, you can't. You can't pay this debt. You can't make it right. Verse 27, it says, This master was filled with pity for him. And it says he released him. He's like, I know you can't pay it. And it says he forgave his debt. The root word of forgiveness is actually the word freedom. You know, if that's what forgiveness is all about, is about freedom. It says in verse 28, but when he, the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars, a hundred denarii, basically a hundred days worth of work. And he said to him, he says, uh, he grabbed him by the throat and he demanded instant payment of his fellow servant. And his fellow servant fell down before him and he begged him for a little more time. It's like deja vu. And it says, you know, that um, the creditor, this guy couldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. And when some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset, obviously. He says, they went to the king and they told him everything that happened. And then the king called in the man he had forgiven. And he said to him, you evil servant, like I forgave you a tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. And in the next verse, he says, shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? And then the angry king sent that man to prison to be tortured until he had paid off the entire debt, the millions that he owed. Verse 35, that's what my heavenly father will do to you. And he may have said, Peter, that's what my heavenly father will do to you, Peter. If you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. You know, Jesus is saying to Peter and to us, the question you sh that you're asking is, in light of my situation, in my circumstance, Jesus, how much forgiveness do I owe? At what point can I, is it get back time? And he says, really, the question you need to be asking is, in light of how much I've already been forgiven, how can I not forgive those who've wronged me? not based on what they've done to you, not based on whether they deserve forgiveness or not, not based on whether they said sorry or not, but based on how much you've been forgiven. And maybe he said to Peter, because Peter's in learn mode, not based on how much you've been forgiven, Peter, but how much you will be forgiven. Because at this point, Peter's just learning. But he doesn't just learn. He experiences it at some point. Because after this, Jesus just leaves. And Peter's just sitting there with this thought. And everybody's looking at him, wow, Peter, <laughs> That was, uh, that was some question, eh? Uh, you know, Peter would go on to hear Jesus teach about forgiveness. And we don't see Peter jumping in and asking any more questions about forgiveness. But he heard. He watched Jesus. He watched Jesus meet a woman in the temple who was just about to get stoned for committing adultery. And he watched his master simply step in and forgive her sin debt and set her free. He watched as Jesus sat at a well with a, a woman who was, you know, ostracized by everybody in her community, and he forgave her sin debt. He watched as Zacchaeus, a man who had probably stolen from them, and, and he said to Zacchaeus, you know what, from, from here on in, 
You know, the, the, uh, you've been forgiven. Forgiveness has come to this home. Salvation has come to this home. And Matthew jots all these things down. And then fast forward a few chapters in Matthew, we get to the spot where it all becomes personal for Peter. It's not just forgiveness is this idea that I understand. It's something Peter gets to experience. And Matthew writes down exactly what happened. It was the night that Jesus was crucified. They had just finished dinner. They're leaving. To, you know, Judas had already left and was on his way to betray Jesus. And, and Jesus and the disciples, the last 11, they're on their way to the Mount of Olives. And here's what it says, Matthew 26. It says this, on the way Jesus told them, tonight all of you are going to desert me because the scriptures say that God's going to strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. And then he says this, but after I've been raised from the dead, man, I'm going to go ahead of you guys to Galilee and I'll meet you there. They're probably scratching their heads like, wait, wait, we're just going to a prayer meeting. What are you talking about, Jesus? And Peter, in this mindset, says to him, hey, you know what, Jesus, if everyone else deserts you, I'll never desert you. I'm your BFF. We're bros, you know, like... Most important, remember, just remember this conversation. And Jesus stops, you know, and just simply says, Peter, hold on a second. Let me tell you what you're really going to do tonight. Before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. You're going to deny that you even know me. You're going to abandon me, Peter, in the moment when I need friends the most. You're going to be the first one gone. Peter's like, no, 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 even if I've got to die you know, I, I'll never deny you, Jesus. I never will do that. And all the other disciples vowed the same. Oftentimes, we don't read that last little part. Peter gets all the bad rap. But they all did it. And as so many are prone to, Matthew tells us exactly what happened after that. And it's exactly what Jesus predicted. You know, Peter denies three times and a rooster crows and the guilt and the shame fall on him heavy. His final act towards his best friend is abandonment. And he's probably thinking, you know, how am I ever going to face Jesus again? And thinking, I'm never going to get to face Jesus again. As he watched him hang on a cross, as he listened to him saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Peter's like, man, I knew what I was doing. I can't even make it right anymore. How, How do I make it right? And he goes away weeping bitterly. The rest of the story goes that Jesus does rise from the dead, like he promised, and he meets Peter on a beach. Can you picture it? It's a little easier to picture today, right, man? It's like 20 degrees out there in November. I'm like wearing a t-shirt. I'm like, I don't know if it's because Florida decided to come to the snowbirds because you can't go there, or if it's like global warming, but whatever, I'll take it. Can you picture being on the beach? What it was like to be with Jesus? You know, I have in my mind, man, what that conversation may have sounded like. And then I saw the skit guys, and I was like, you know what? Let's just see it from their perspective. And so we'll take a minute to do that this morning. Grace is God's unmerited favor for us, his crazy love. And the truth is, many times we struggle understanding it. If you find yourself struggling to understand God's grace, don't beat yourself up. Even the disciples struggled with understanding grace. Jesus, said you? You're alive. I can't believe you're alive. Okay, I was in the boat, and I wasn't catching any fish, okay? But I heard this voice, and the voice said, cast your net to the other side. And so I'm thinking, I'm a fisherman. I know what I'm doing, but I'm not catching any fish, you know? And so I throw that net over there, and then a gaggle of fish pop into that net, and I'm going, this is a total miracle. Who could have done that? I need to know who told me to throw the net to the other side. And boom, I look up, and I mean, there is you. You're looking at me on the seashore going, it is I, the Lord, and you're alive. I can't believe you're alive. This is awesome. Andrew, get out of the boat. Come on. Peter, yeah. do you love me? Yes, I love you. I love you. You're alive. This is so great. Good, then feed my sheep. Andrew, get out of the boat. Come on, man. It's him. Peter, Yeah. do you love me? 
I love you, yes. And I'm so sorry about that rooster cluck, and I had no idea what that meant, but I do not. I'm better for it, all right? Okay. Then feed my sheep. Andrew, I'm smiling, but I'm serious. Come on, get out of the boat. It's him. Peter. Yeah. Do you love me? Jesus, mere words cannot describe the passion that I have for you. I love you. You know everything. I love you. Good. Good. Then feed my sheep. I didn't even know you had livestock. That is so like you, though. There's something new about you all the time. That's what I love about you. Peter, yeah. do you remember uh, the morning the ladies went to the tomb? Yeah, 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 yeah. We're all in the upper room trying to figure out what to do next, you know, because we thought you were dead. You know, you were dead, you know, and we're trying to figure all that out, you know. And Mary comes running up, and Mary's like saying, beehive, beehive, beehive. And I'm thinking, I'm allergic to bees. Like, keep them out. You know what I'm saying? But as she kept getting closer, I heard her correctly. She was saying, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive. And we're going, who's alive, who's alive? And she said, she was at the tomb, and the tomb was empty. And she said that the, there was an angel there, and the angel said, go tell the disciples and Peter that everything is okay, he is risen. And so me and John, we hightailed it down there, and if John says he beat me, he's totally lying, all right? I beat him, FYI, all right, you know? And we get down there, and I'm looking in that tomb, and it is, it is empty. There's nothing in there, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, what does this mean? What does this mean? And John is right there. John is so good with words. He should write a book. He is so good with words. And John said, don't you get it, Peter? This is everything Jesus said he was going to do, and you did it, and it's done. Let's go. This is so great. Wait, yeah. the angel said what? Uh, go tell the disciples and Peter that everything is okay. He is risen. You've risen. Let's go. This he is said what? Go tell the disciples and Peter. Go tell the disciples and Peter. You said my name. Why did you say my name? Peter, that's grace. No, no, I don't, I don't deserve that because that night people kept coming up to me asking me if I belonged to you, if I was with you, and I kept denying you left and right, all right? No, it'll take me my whole life to make up for what I did. It was unforgivable for no, what I did. No, What I did on the cross was meant to take what is unforgivable and make it forgivable. That's my grace. It's not about you. It's always about me. That's grace, Peter. Came to make what was unforgivable, forgivable. You know, maybe he says to Peter, Peter, remember the guy with 10,000 talents? Peter, that was you. And yet, I came to make what was unforgivable, forgivable. Peter, you are forgiven. You know, for him to experience what that forgiveness felt like. What that really felt like to be that guy. You know, and uh, I think maybe some of us, you know, maybe watching, you're like, you know, I didn't really have to imagine Peter. I could just, just kind of picture myself. That's how I feel. I feel like, man, I've let God down so, so badly. I think that, you know, maybe Jesus can forgive me, but I just can't seem to forgive myself. And I hear people say that often. I just can't get past it myself. Yes, I, I understand. I believe that God forgave me, but it's not here. It's not here. You know, the truth is that guilt and shame have a, like a funny way of just piling on, no matter who, Jesus follower or not, piling on no matter how big or how small the offense is. So I was thinking about that, you know, I... I I thought of way back uh, a number of years ago, 
I was at Superstore, and uh, Superstore had just come out with self-checkout. I'm like, this is cool. I'm going to try that. And so I, I just got in to get a snack. I went in to get a croissant. And when I got to the croissant section, I was like, oh, they have chocolate-covered croissants. I'm like, I'll take one of those. And they were, they were 27 cents more or 25 cents more. And I was like, okay. And I got to the self-checkout, and you punch in what you got, and it's like it says croissant on there, and then it shows the two, regular croissant for 99 cents, chocolate croissant for $1.25. I'm like, I can get a deal here. All I got to do is push this button. So I push the button, and I pay my dollar, and I go, and I enjoy my chocolate-covered croissant until it was over. And all of a sudden, I think, I'm like, all of a sudden, that guilt begins to come in. I'm like, you just stole. And I'm like, I'm grateful for the Holy Spirit's conviction. I thought, you know what? You're right, Lord. I need to, to make this right. But then the guilt, like, that's what I woke up in the middle of the night that day. was like, I just stole from Superstore. I'm like, I got to go make this right. I'm like, okay, God, I'm going to do it. I just got to get rid of this guilt. And I went to the superstore, and I was like, I walked in. I'm like, I'm not going to go tell somebody. I'm just going to drop a quarter on the floor. Someone will pick it up, and we're good, right? <laughs> and just that, that feeling of guilt, I'm like, no, I got to go. And I actually went to customer service, and I told them the story. And I was like, and I need to pay you 25 cents. And they're like, <laughs> no, you don't. Like, don't worry about it. Just go. I'm like, no, I can't sleep at night. Like, here's my quarter. Like, I'm going to do whatever I need to do to get to make this right. I'm actually sweating telling you the story right now. It's one of those things, but that's how, like, guilt just, just will do whatever to pile on in situations. I was talking with a friend of mine, and he's not a Jesus follower. I explained to him some of the things that I felt guilty for in my life, and he just looked at me and laughed. He's like, man, you've done nothing compared to what the stuff I've done. He's like, you shouldn't feel guilty at all, and yet it doesn't matter, right? Guilt is, is one of those things that just tries to pile on. As a Jesus follower here, I don't think you're beyond where, or I'm beyond where Peter felt that day. You know, he's saying, Jesus, I just, I'll do whatever it takes to make it up. I, no, I can't just be forgiven. I just, I've got to do a whole bunch of stuff. And you know, that's the good news of the gospel, is that when we receive forgiveness, we truly are forgiven. Paul said to the Romans in Romans 8 verse 1, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. You know, we talk about the freedom of forgiveness. I think sometimes we're like, we want to hold on to unforgiveness so much, not realizing the freedom that's been shown to us, that the God of the universe, and I guess I, I would say this, to those who struggle with forgiving yourself, if the God who holds the universe in his hand, if the God who created all we see and all we know, if the God who created you and knows you and knows everything about you and still loves you, and the God who says, I will send my son to give his life for you, to forgive your sin, I will take care of all of that. If he's that amazing, who are we to say that, no, I'm more important, you can forgive me, but I can't. I would encourage you this morning to think about the fact that God has forgiven you, that maybe your box needs to be a little bit bigger. And I think of unforgiveness sometimes like being in a tug-of-war with a sumo wrestler. You're never going to win that thing. You can hold on and hold on and hold on and think, I'll figure it out. I'll do it. I'll be, able to, I'll be able to get my life right. I'll be able to do that stuff. And he's simply saying, you just need to let all that go in order to truly win. You know, I think we see it in the life of Peter that he learned about forgiveness. He had a chance to experience forgiveness, and it affected him. So he went out, and he just shared about it wherever he went. He lived out forgiveness, and we see it in the book of Acts. Luke tells us, and I just want to leave you with a couple last thoughts. In Luke, Acts chapter 2, Luke writes this, that Peter, after people asked him, hey, what do we got to do to be saved? He's like, you know what? It's all about forgiveness. He's like, each of you, you've got to repent. You got to change your mind about this idea of, of God and sin. He's like, repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for what? Forgiveness. The forgiveness of sins. He says, that's what you really need. That's what I needed. That's what we all need. And you know, it's true. Forgiveness is something we all need. 
You know, I might look at other people and say, you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't need as much food as that guy, you know, or I don't need as much uh, water as so-and-so, or, you know, I don't need as much air as that guy. His nose is way bigger than mine, whatever it may be. But I know that I need all of those things. And when Jesus looks at forgiveness, we look at it as levels, and we think, oh, certain things are, some people have, these are levels of things that can be and can't be forgiven, people that can be and can't, they're out of the box. Jesus is like, it's basically you need it or you don't. And man, I know, I know that I needed it, and I'm grateful that he offered it. But forgiveness is a choice. It's a choice to receive it. It's something that we choose to say, you know what, God, I choose to trust and, and trust you and receive it. Hebrews eleven six says this, it's impossible to please God without faith, without trusting him. Anyone who wants to come to him must trust that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. You know, it's that thing of believing that God exists, that he offers forgiveness and to receive his forgiveness. That's one of the things that, you know, I think that we don't often realize is that forgiveness is a choice, but it's also a choice to give. It is a choice to offer to others. And man, I'm glad he chose to forgive us. You know, I think about um, this, just a reminder of this quick story. One, one last verse and one last story for you. of a kid who, uh, this guy pulls up in this really fancy sports car, and he's like, it's one of his dad's friends, and he asks his dad, can I go for a ride? And the guy's like, yeah, for sure, I'll take him for a ride, you know? And, and the dad gives him permission, he hops in the car, and he just can't get over this beautiful sports car. He just looks at it, he's like, man, it's just so amazing and so powerful and so fast. And he, he's, he just like keeps talking about it. The guy says, you know what's really cool? He's like, my brother gave me this car. And the boy's like, that's amazing. And he says, you know what? When I grow up, and the guy finishes the sentence, you want a car like this. He's like, no, when I grow up, I want to be able to give my brother a car like this. You know, I think that's like the, the, the powerful thing about forgiveness and people who choose to forgive. They're the ones who are the heroes. They're the ones who people look at and go, yeah, I want to be more like that person. They're the ones who stand above and say, wow, they, <laughs> they look like Jesus followers because they look like Jesus because they do what Jesus did. And my challenge for you would be to, to honor what Christ has done for you, but to remember Paul's words that he wrote to the Colossians. He said this, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. And he just simply says this, remember. Remember the Lord forgave you. Why? Because it's so easy for us to forget. It's so easy for us to forget when we're in the thick of it and all of that stuff. And he's like, listen, just like Peter, just like what Christ has done for you, he's like, I want to remind you, you have been forgiven much. So when you ask, how much do I have to forgive? He says, you know what? Remember, you've been forgiven much. The question is, how can you not forgive those? How can you not let that go? And we talk about forgiveness and I had a time tonight, today to go into all of the ins and outs of what forgiveness looks like. And uh, Does it mean you have to like them? Is the relationship back to normal? Is all that kind of stuff? There's lots more to that. Forgiveness isn't forgetting. Forgiveness isn't just like letting people hurt you again and again. Those aren't the things. But forgiveness is a hard attitude of choosing to say, you know what? I'm focused on what he's done in my life, not what that other person owes me. I think the guy, William um, Young, who wrote The Shack, just said forgiveness is letting go of their throat. It's that I'm not going to hold them responsible for it anymore. I'm letting them go. I'm letting it go. You know, the good news is there's forgiveness for our sin. No matter what it may be, there is forgiveness. That box, man, it's massive. And there's nobody outside of his box of forgiveness. I know sometimes we look at it and we think, oh, you know, (laughs) those people on the opposite political view or those people who've wronged me, there's no way. You know, in our limited forgiveness, but, you know, I, I would encourage you, forgiveness is powerful because forgiveness brings freedom. And I hope today, you know, as we talked about things on a broad spectrum, the Holy Spirit 
brings it up in your heart why you were here this morning and why you were listening this morning and what he's doing in your life today, that you would take the steps on that journey, not to just learn it, to experience it, and to live it out. It's what we've been called to do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for freedom, that that freedom is genuine and real, and thank you for the chance to enjoy that today. Jesus, thanks for doing what we couldn't do. I could never have gotten there, but I'm thankful for your grace. Father, thank you. Thank you for Matthew. Thank you for inspiring him to write down these accounts of Peter's life. It really helps. It really helps us to know what it looks like and where we go from there. Father, I just pray for every person, including myself today, listening, hearing, being under your word. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help us to take whatever that next step is in this journey. Lord, I pray for some this morning just that that you'll give them the courage and the ability to truly let things go. Lord, I pray that for those this morning that are wrestling with the the thoughts of being able to forgive themselves, God, would you give them a revelation of how much you've forgiven them, that their eyes might be set on you and that they might experience that freedom. And Father, I also pray for those who don't know you this morning, that today they might have the chance to, (laughs) to trust you to trust you for forgiveness and for new life. Thank you for doing that. God, we honor you today. We leave this place, but we don't leave you. God, thank you for the chance to live this out. And we do it in your name. Amen.